adult, their 30s, 40s, or 50s, they're still living life, life like they're 18 years old. I can tell you right now, my body does not function like it did when it was 18 years old. But there was something in them that said, I don't want to change. I don't want to grow up. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go on with my life and live my life. So all of us are going to have to come to terms with change. And I can think of no better time in the year than ending one year and going into the next year than dealing with the subject of change because the new year brings to all of us those normal issues of, well, it's a good time to maybe make a resolution. It's a good time to maybe think of starting something I've never done before. You know, we'll start diet plans and exercise. Tracy and I got all our gift certificates and Christmas money together and we pooled it all together. We didn't even buy ourselves any gifts because we decided that we were going to go buy us an elliptical machine. And not a cheap one either. I wanted, I wanted a good elliptical machine. You get those cheap machines and the workout is trying not to fall off them. So, you know, you, you got to get the good elliptical machine. So we got us a good elliptical machine because we've, we've got these resolutions. We've got this idea that 2007 is going to be the year of exercise and the year of getting these middle-aged bodies where they need to be but how many of you know it's not going to happen unless i change something's got to change and so change is an important feature and change has got to come into all of our lives and if you want to get to god's dreams and his purposes in your life then you're going to have to come to terms with change i was given a book several weeks ago actually i believe it was hardy ferguson that gave me the book and uh, then it was recommended again to us which kind of propelled me to read it uh, you know, with, with a little more expeditious mindset. In fact, Tracy really read it before I did. It was entitled The Dream Giver. Write that one down, The Dream Giver, by Bruce Wilkinson. If it were possible, I would love to buy every single one of you that book and put it under, well, I was going to say under the tree. We're gone now. It'd be too long for that. But put it in your hands and, and let you read that because it has everything to do with God's dream in your life and how there's going to be changes, really, that have to come in order to accomplish dreams. And so if, if you want to read a good book, it's a short book, it's a nice allegorical little story, you will really enjoy it. You need to buy it. I'm telling you, you need to buy it. Thus saith the Lord, go buy that book. And I mean, it'll really encourage you and it'll really help you. And, and we read it and it just, it just was a great book, but it reminded me about change, change. Now, there are two things that I want to mention to you right out of the chute as we get started because I'm going to spend the next weeks talking in this area because most people don't know how to navigate change. They don't know how to embrace change. Change solicits fear. Is that not true? Is there not fear involved with change? But if something's going to change and something's going to be different, then we've got to learn how to navigate and get through those things. And there are two very important points that I want you to write down, I want you to get a hold of these things, because if you don't get a hold of these two points, as we just get started, the rest of it will forever be elusive. It'll be a moot point. You'll never get a hold of ultimately what God would love to do in your life. The first one is this. If you do what you've always done, expecting different results, you are crazy. But there are people that do that. They will do the same routine, do the same thing over and over and over again. And they'll go, I don't know why life isn't any different. Bing! I got an answer for you. Something's got to change. 
You, you can't be doing the same things over and over and over again and expect different results. That is insanity. Do you realize that we are a crazy society? Because we want to do the same old routine, the same old stuff. We want to, we want to do what we do in our marriages, in our family, families, at our job sites, in our careers. We want to just do what we've always done and then we're mad when it isn't any different. Well, you just got to realize that's crazy. And, and even God expects you to do something different. The second thing you need to get a hold of is this. If doing what you've always done works, you would be where you'd want to be. That should be a great point of revelation. If you think what you're doing so right, then why aren't, where you, why aren't you where you want to be? It's because ultimately you've got to deal with that change in your life. And the good news is God is in the change business. In fact, the biblical word for change is transformation. Everyone say transformation. transformation. Now say this, that means change. That means change. And the word oftentimes that will come out in the Bible when it's being declared to us is this word which kind of recoils us for a moment but it's simply defined change and it's the word repent that's the biblical word so when the prophets came along and they were saying repent repent for the kingdom of god is at hand or jesus would come along and he would say repent for the kingdom of god has come you need to understand what he was saying he was saying the rule of god the kingdom of god think about this for just a moment the kingdom the kingdom which is full of all of his promise, his will, his purpose, his goodness, his greatness, healing, joy, peace, righteousness, resource, everything imaginable existing in his kingdom. This is what he says. The kingdom will come if you change. Now, if you don't want to change, don't be surprised if life just doesn't work. So the series is simply entitled, Change. Change. <laughs> change, change, change. That was free right there. You're going to deal with change. Truth is, all of us are confronted with areas that need change. Some of you this morning are living here and you would say, my life is rotten. Right now I'm going through a difficult time. Something's got to change. Some of you would say, I, I've, got a, I've got a struggling marriage, and if something doesn't change, I don't know how we're going to survive. Some of you young people are going to school, and school is difficult, and, and you're saying, if things don't change, I don't know how I'm going to get through this year. And, and there will be, there will be personal change, and sometimes it's circumstantial change we want to happen. Some want geographical change, you know, they want to they move from their situation. So change hits us all, but change is a part of the human condition, and you need to be ready for change. I had just read the other day just a cute little story about an older couple who were trying to get their marriage back on track and trying to make their latter years and their relationship as good as their former years. And, and so one night, it was time to go to bed, and they got into bed together, and they were laying there and the wife looked over at the husband and she said, you know, when, when, when we were young, you used to snuggle up close to me. So he snuggled up close to her. And she said, you know, when we were young and we'd lay down here in bed, you used to hold my hand. So he reached over and he grabbed her hand. And then she said, honey, when we were young, I can remember 
when you used to nibble on my ear. And all of a sudden, he tore back the covers and jumped out of bed. And it kind of hurt her feelings. And she said, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to get my teeth to nibble on your ear. That's what I'm... Some of us, that's shaving way too close. (laughs) Change. Change is a part of the human condition. We've got to learn how to change. And so I just entitled this first message, Embracing Personal Change. And I kind of subtitled it, I'm I'm ready for a divine makeover. I'm ready for a divine makeover. Jeremiah 18, beginning with verse 1. This is what the prophet said. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. It's a great story. It's a familiar story that Jeremiah speaks to us concerning the potter and the clay. And it has a lot to do with embracing personal change. It has a lot to do with how God wants to bring change to our life. And you can pretty much make the connection as to what's going on here. I mean, the the story is fairly simple. You, me, we are the clay. He, the Lord, is the potter. And when the prophet spoke these words, he was speaking it. Let me just give you a little background. He was speaking it in, in a context that he was talking to the people of Israel as they were now existing in the southern kingdom, which was Judah. Some of you know by way of biblical history that there was a time that Israel split into the northern and into the southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom fell first because they decided they were going to enter into wickedness and idolatry much swifter and quicker and they would not repent and turn. Judah, on the other hand, the southern kingdom, would get good kings every now and then and they would make their way back to the Lord. So he extended their years. But now he's talking to the southern kingdom. He's talking to them because even though they've done a few things right through the centuries... They're now falling into that idolatry and that wickedness and their rebellion. And so God's talking to them again and he's trying to get their attention and help them understand that unless things change, they're going to go into captivity. Now, this is a really great point that you just need to remember. God doesn't send you to captivity or difficult things unless he's shot some shots across your bow. Nobody can stumble into a difficult time and say, well, I didn't know. God didn't tell me. I just did this or did that. Well, you know what? You might have been dumb as a doornail and fell into that, but it wasn't because God wasn't shooting shots across your bow. Chances are you probably had friends, neighbors, parents, coworkers, somebody trying to maybe give you subtle hints, trying to let you know in an appropriate way because God knows if they told you straight up, you'd be offended, wouldn't hear it anyway. But somehow or another, gently trying to help you see that maybe some of what's going on at this point in your life, maybe is not the way to go. But no, 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 you wouldn't listen in here. So God brings the divine two by four. Pow! Wake up time. 
And here he's trying to bring wake-up time, and he's trying to do it in really a, a nice little parable because they couldn't get to their destiny, they couldn't get to their promise, they couldn't get to their purpose in their current state. Can I just say to you, you aren't going to get to destiny in your current state. Something's going to change, something's going to happen. And so as we get started, and this isn't real fancy, but I hope you brought a pencil because... Because number one is, I believe a short pencil is better than a long memory. That's number one. Number two is, if, if you, you've got to get a hold of what it means to embrace change. You've got to embrace the concept of change for your life first. I can, I can give you all sorts of other messages about navigating it, working through it, understanding it, getting through fear. We can talk about all those things. But if you're unwilling to embrace the concepts of change, then you'll never get to ultimately where God wants you to be. And, that, and let me just say this. You may think you know where you want to be, and you think that's where you want to be, I could line up literally around the block, men and women who have lived life their way, lived it all out, did what they wanted to do. You know, they sang with Elvis, I did it my way. And they will look you in the eye and say, I wish I'd lived life different. Because ultimately, the only life that counts is the life that's lived all out for God. And so I want to encourage you right now to just make up your mind that I want to live all out for God because that's where I'm going to find my greatest sense of fulfillment and contentment. But I've got to embrace some things in order to be sure that I can get there. There are 10 things that sounds like a lot, and I know I'm long-winded at times, but we'll move through this as rapidly as possible. I know there's children that are here this morning. Can I just say this, kids, if you're under the age of, well, I, 11 or under, 11 or under, I want you together to say amen. One, two, three. All right. Good job. You're listening. Let me tell you guys, if you'll get a hold of some of this, you'll do better than your parents. I know, I know pastors speak sometimes with words and you're going, what does that mean? I'm going to believe something gets in your spirit too, because you'll do so much better. 10 things I want to give you. So that you can embrace personal change in your life. Number one, God isn't changing, you are. You got to embrace that. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a lot of times what happens is this. Is that when we come to a moment when we know something's got to give in our life, we begin to think God's going to change. Somehow he's going to adjust. He's going to move. He's going to somehow reevaluate because... You know, he loves me, and of course we've redefined that too. And so therefore, because he loves me, he's going to readjust. Because in our current culture, that's what happens. When the kids want their way, they'll say, you don't love me anymore, you don't like me anymore. And what happens is mom and dad changes in order to adjust to the child. Well, that may be how it works in culture, but that's not how it works in the kingdom. God isn't out to be just your friend. He's out to be Lord and Master. He is the one that wants to bring some sense of order and control and all those things to your life, which can bring ultimate happiness. I was watching the other night of CNN. It was late at night, and they had a program on CNN. I call that Cynical News Network. And, and I was watching this program on CNN, and, and the title of the program was, What is a Christian? <laughs> I never realized there were so many definitions. Amazing how many definitions of that. There are. And so they were exploring all of these definitions. And what was most fascinating to me, as they were exploring all of this, everybody was giving their opinion. Now, of course, God bless America, and you can think what you want to think, believe what you want to believe, and hallelujah, you're an American. But the bottom line isn't so much 
my opinion and what I think as much as what is God's opinion on the subject and where am I going to find his opinion on that subject? Because you found people everywhere just determining how they were going to make God. And, and so they would determine that maybe God was like this and maybe God was like that. And they would just create God in whatever seemed to fit their personal circumstance. And I've heard this for years. I mean, they've created gods that will endorse and bless anything they're doing. But we've got to understand that, that God isn't out to endorse you. God's out to transform you. He wants to change you. He's not trying to make you feel better about yourself as you're going into destruction. He wants to change you so you can feel first good about him. And in turn, he in you makes you feel great about yourself. Because you're finding a sense of that contentment and that fulfillment. God's not changing. He's not changing for you. That's the great thing about the Lord. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough power. You don't have enough clout. It doesn't matter who your folks were. He doesn't care. He is no respecter of persons, the Bible says. And that's sort of good news, bad news. In other words, the same blessing that he'll give somebody in this section is the same blessing he'll give people in that section. Isn't that good news? It, he just, the, what he'll do in my life, he'll do in your life. It, it's not because, well, you know, pastor's pastor, and so God obviously loves him more. Uh, you would think, wouldn't you? But that's not the case. <laughs> Whatever he'll do in my life, he'll do in your life. And vice versa. Isn't that good news? But the same no respect comes with regards to getting your attention. He doesn't care who you are or what position you have. He just, he's unfazed by it all. So he'll rattle your cage as quick as he will mine because he wants change to come to your life. So that's number one. Number two, the Lord's first commitment is to change you before the circumstance. To change you before the circumstance. If you will notice... In that little story right there, it was the clay that was on the wheel, not your job. Are you with me? It was the clay that was on the wheel, not your family. It was the clay that was on the wheel, not your marriage. It was the clay that was on the wheel, not your circumstance. Now, it's no question that all of us have faced crazy circumstances in our life. We've faced places and things that have just tested us and we've said oh god deliver me can i just share this with you that that your circumstance this will help you if you'll hear me your circumstance whatever it may be does not create who you are all it does is it reveals who you are and that's why god keeps you there it's because he wants you to begin to see what's in you and what's coming out of you and all that junk that happens when we're in those crazy tough circumstances, he allows to come forth in order that he can work on you. Because here, this is, this is true for everybody, you and me, God isn't changing them, he wants to change you. So quit worrying about if God would get them, he's trying to get you. And when you get a hold of that, you're going to begin to find that life will change. It's amazing how when God causes you to change, how your circumstances will look different, and that circumstance doesn't change, but the way you see it does. So you've got to begin to understand, the Lord's not just changing. Now, will he change? Sure. He'll give you new jobs. He'll, he'll open up doors. Certainly, circumstances can change, but I'm here to tell you, you are where you are at this moment because God's working in you, through you, on you somehow. Number three. When change begins, number three. God does not tell you all the details. 
Wow. I, I was looking at this, and when I read verse 3 here, it said that when the, when the clay went up on the wheel, and apparently the prophet's getting this vision, he has the capacity to see this wheel spinning around with this clay on it, and he's watching it in this vision. He says, and I'm quoting what he says, that God was making, he was making something at the wheel. He couldn't identify it. But he was doing something, I just don't know what he's doing. And that's the interesting thing about the Lord. He'll be doing things, and you'll be clueless as to what he's doing. You need to understand that about change. Change comes to us, and, and he begins working in us, and hopefully we have the, the perspective and the sense of the Lord in our life that we understand that he's, he's doing something in us, but he may not give you all the details. He may not give you all the intricacies of what he's trying to do in your life. And that is a problem for a lot of people because for us, unless we know the details, we don't want to do it. Give me the details. Show me the hidden trap doors. Let me know what, what are the possibilities or probabilities. And so we're always wanting to make sure all our bases are covered and we've got all the, you know, legal loopholes tied up because we don't want to enter into change and somehow get snagged when it's all said and done. Now, <clears throat> I want to ask you, and I, this probably will mean more to the ladies than perhaps the men and it might not even affect all the ladies but I know because being with my wife now for nearly 25 years I've kind of watched this take place but but ladies and maybe some of the guys have you ever gone to the hairdresser and and you said to yourself this is the time I want to go and get a new hairdo this is I want to I want to do something I saw something in a magazine now you see I, I now I, I struggle with this constantly about going to you know, what am I going to, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? I mean, I, I mean, my question is just, am I going to buzz it this time or keep trimming it? That's my question. But, but for the ladies though, I, I would suspect this might be something that kind of moves through your mind from time to time. I want to go to the hairdresser. I want something new. I want a new style. It's, it's maybe it's just, you know, new things are happening. And so you're looking through the magazine and you're seeing what can be done with your hair. And, and maybe for some of you, this is very easy to do and you'll just go and you'll just try anything. But I, I just watched Trace and I got to believe that it's within others' lives because my wife probably has the capacity to change as well as anybody, at least I know in our household. But, but I know how it works because of just that's important, you know, a woman's glory is in her hair. And, and so, you know, it's important. And, and you want to, but you're afraid of what it might look like when it's done. And you're sure not going to let some new hairdresser do it, will you? No way. I mean, you're, you're, you'll struggle with the dude you've seen for 20 years. And the whole time, you know, he'll be going, oh, it'll be great. And, you know, but there's something in you because you don't know what the outcome is going to completely and totally look like. You want a guarantee. You want somebody to put it on paper. You want to make sure that it looks like the magazine. I, 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 it's just got to be right. And so there's all these things going inside of you. And so you want something that will help you move into that change that's going to happen on the top of your head. I'm here to tell you when it comes to transformation with God, He doesn't tell you. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's one of those moments when He says, Will you trust me? Will you trust me if I created you? I knew you before you were even born. I called you in the womb. I designed you there and I did all these things. I wired you. I put your DNA in you. I knew what your personality was going to be. Don't you think I'm worthy to be trusted as to what you will ultimately look like if you let me do that? So he's not going to tell you the details. Number four. Your present state 
may not be God's preferred state. Now, all of these are areas of change you've got to embrace. We are a culture that, that has been taught esteem. And, and, and some of that's good because there's an appropriate place of feeling good about oneself. There's an appropriate truth in the understanding that, that we were created and wired a certain way, that, that you know, Trace will be of a personality type and it'll be different than my personality type and maybe different than yours and we've been created, you know, different sizes, different shapes, different bone structures. We have all these features in our life that, uh, that are unique and even God-ordained. But what has happened recently as we've tried to make ourselves feel good about our rebellion and good about our waywardness is we've started to figure out how we can still feel good about ourselves and yet not be responsive to God's change in our life. You know, you'll, you'll go to a, a psychologist, it's really interesting, if you go to secular psychology, they will do their best to help you deal with guilt. You know, people go to deal with guilt, and in secular psychological circles, they want you somehow to work out and work through your guilt, and so they try to make you feel better about yourself without dealing with the issues of transformation and change, and the guilt won't go until you go to the guilt remover, who can transform you. So you need to understand, and, and I've, I've heard this so much, even in church, it has begun to just splash over into us. I've heard people say, well, you know, that's just the way I am, and God made me that way, and, you know, just get used to it. I'm here. You know, I've lived this way for years now. It must just be how God made me. Well, you know what? God can change you and, and, and your present state. And let me just say, it doesn't matter if you have a problem or, or if you're just pursuing a purpose. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you are, you're perfectly fine, you're good, you're the one person in the universe that needs nothing done in your psyche, your emotions, or anything else. You're just perfect. We, you're just dismissed. We, you know, you're, just, you're just one of those people. Even though if that be true, which it's not, as you, as you move to your purpose, God's still going to change you. The Bible says clearly uh, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we are being transformed from glory to glory. Which means this, it means that, that maybe a few weeks ago you experienced something from God and it brought you into a sense of His glory and there was transformation and there was change and life was good and everything's back on target and wow, it's just great and life is great and it couldn't get any better than it is that particular moment. This is what God's saying that no matter how good that particular moment may have been, there's still yet another moment that you can move to. And the only way you'll get to that next moment is by change again. So nobody ever arrives. You haven't arrived. God's still working on you. You are not at this moment at the final destination of what God would like to do in your life. Number five. There are stages of change stages of change nobody changes all at once i want that to happen i wish god you'd just kill me do something to me and get it over with and just change me all at once i wish that happened if if you give your life to jesus christ there are some things that can get lopped off right away in fact it's interesting as you read that that story that picture that jeremiah gives us it it looks as if god's just lopping off some things right away so, you know, there are times in your life that you'll come before the Lord and you'll say, Lord, I need change. And just like a potter with that stick in his hand, he'll start lopping these things off your life. And I mean, sometimes they can be big things, 
Big change is possible. So he'll start lopping these things off your life, and then you'll think, man, I know that was painful, and, 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 and that, was, that was difficult, but praise God, I got those big chunks off my life. Hallelujah. But here's the key. When you're on the wheel, it's not just chopping off the big chunks, but God gets his hand, and he starts working out the intricacies too. He's making something that's got intricate issues on that potter's that, that potter's vessel. I mean, he'll, he'll, once he gets it in the shape he wants it, then he'll move and he'll put certain lines in it and a, and a certain decoration in it and, and he keeps working at it. And so you need to understand change is not just lopping off the big stuff. I hear this all the time too. Well, you know, I'm not as bad as my neighbor, you know. I'm not carousing, sleeping around, getting drunk, you know, every other night. I mean, I'm a pretty good guy. Well, great. I mean, we, we, we applaud you. We applaud you that you've only got two DUIs and your neighbor has six. We applaud you. We applaud you. But understand that there comes a moment that God not only wants to hack the big stuff off, but he wants to get in your life and begin to deal with the details too. Number six, change goes more smoothly when you are pliable and soft. Change goes more smoothly when you are pliable and soft. I've heard people say through the years, well, you know, I'm just not perfect. You've, you've seen the bumper sticker. Nobody's perfect. Just forgiven. I always read that and I thought, well, I'm sure you live up to that all the time. Nobody's perfect. Just forgiven. The problem is we use these things as sort of a justification for who we are. It's, it's, a, it's a justification for remaining hard and rigid. And, and you need to understand that unless you come before the Lord and, and you are pliable and you are soft, it's more difficult for change to happen in your life. Now, let me just say this. You can come hard as a rock and God will still try working on you. Can you imagine going around that wheel as a rock and that old stick coming down going, that's, that's what's going on in some people's lives. <laughs> I mean, they're just hard as a rock and they're wondering why they always feel like they're getting pounded. Well, maybe it's time you got pliable and soft. And when you, when you got open to change in your life, God could begin to do it a whole lot easier and a whole lot more smoothly. I was looking the other day. I am not a scientist. I don't know a lot about scientific things, but I know just enough to get me in trouble usually. But I was started looking the other day, and, and I wanted to find out the definition of a fossil. You know what a fossil is, don't you? A fossil is like a rock that has the imprint of whatever animal that you're looking for. You know, we went through the whole Jurassic Park kind of thing and, and fossils and and most of the kids probably here today, they'll, they'll know instantly what a fossil is. It's, it's, this, it's this record of life that existed once in this rock. Now, now I'm going to give you, this is not the scientific definition of a fossil, but let me, let me give you my definition of a fossil. I just started thinking about what's a fossil. And this is my definition, so you won't find it in any science book. A fossil is something that could not make a seasonal change. You know, we don't know exactly when the dinosaurs existed or when they went off the scene. We know they were here because of the fossil record. Many people think that it happened because of some cataclysmic ordeal. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to even... I, if you open that can, you'd lose me in a hurry. But there was something that happened that, that that dinosaur was not able to make the, the 
the transition or the change into the next era or into the next season that, that they may have been destined to walk into. I don't know how all of that works. Can I just say this, though? There are spiritual fossils. There are people who have, who have entrenched themselves in a time period. They have entrenched themselves in spiritual understanding even. Now, again, I'm not saying there's not foundation. There's foundation to all of life. I'm not saying jettison the foundations. I'm just simply saying that there comes a moment when you have to realize that God has created you personally to be as clay, not a fossil. He has created you to be pliable and not like rock hard. And this is our problem. The church has no longer become a living, breathing organism, but we have become, in many circles, the Smithsonian Institute. It's like we take the sentimental journey of days gone by. There's no life to it. We watch, we do all the things we're supposed to do, we practice all the things God said that we're to practice, but there's no life in the thing. It's because we become fossilized. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants to change us from glory to glory. He's taking us from faith to faith. Line upon line, order upon order, precept upon precept. I'm, I'm believing that however I was at 18 or 19, when I get to be 48, 49, that I'm going to be different. I'd like to think that. I believe that can happen. But I've got to come to the Lord being pliable and soft. If you're going to be a knothead, you're going to keep getting hit with the stick. And nothing's going to happen. Isn't that the, it's just tragedy. And to keep getting hit with a stick and nothing ever changes. If at least if I'm going to get hit with a stick, please let me see some change. Amen. Number seven. Change can be painful. I was looking at verse four here. It says that when the potter began to deal with the piece of clay, it says here in verse four, it was marred or it was ruined. The literal Hebrew means ruined in the hand of the potter. I guess I'll just preach it. God wants to ruin you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, pastor. Back up, back up, back up, back up. Well, dream giver, remember? Remember book? Good book. Dream giver. I know. But you see, the key to it is, is that he's not, he's not enabling just any old dream you've generated, he gave you the dream. He unveiled his dream. He spoke to you about his will, his plan, his purpose. And what happens is, is that we make ourselves into things and he's got to ruin that. And as he ruins that, he doesn't ruin you just to leave you, but the good news is he ruins you to remake you. He ruins you to raise you up. He ruins things in order that he can get his hand in it and begin to blossom it in even exponential ways that when people look at it, they say, how? And you say, God. But that can be painful. Painful. I mean, I'm not going to go through here with you this morning all the painful moments of my life and Tracy's life. Some of you walked through a few painful moments with us. They were painful for you too. I could go through a lot of years and talk about different pains that came along the way. And you know, sometimes you look back at those pains and you say to yourselves, wow, those were hurtful, wounding moments. And you spend all your life trying to get healed, trying to get whole, 
trying to fix up, trying to get yourself right, you're forgiving, you're doing whatever needs to be done, you're trying to learn and do the things that you're supposed to do in those painful moments. Can I just, let me just stop there. Has anyone else but me ever faced a painful moment? I mean, just painful, searingly painful. Thank you. That's 100%, because that is the human condition. But listen to me real carefully. God didn't allow that pain in your life, and he didn't allow that ruin, what you thought was ruin in your life, for no reason. He was, he was remaking you and retooling you and reforming you in, into, into that person you were supposed to be. And the worst thing is to be ruined and to come out the same thing. If he's going to ruin you, at least let him raise you up and change you. Make you different. Don't, how many of you know right now, and some of you have walked with me now nine years. It's almost been ten years. We're walking into ten years here in Charleston. Some of you have seen me now and been around me for ten years. Hard to believe. We ought to have a certificate for them, the 10-year crowd. that just We ought to just give you a certificate or something. <laughs> give you a gift card or something. <laughs> you deserve something. But I can tell you this much, and, and I think you'd shake your head. And I'd look at some of you because I've known you for years now. And so this can be a two-way street. How many of you know, we are not the same people we were. Isn't that true? I don't want to be the same. I hope you're not the same. If it is, somewhere along the way, you missed embracing change. Number eight. God's hand oversees and overshadows your change. Now we're getting to the good news. Because the story tells us that even as all the spinning is going on, even though your world is spinning, it says that God's hand was upon the clay. The potter's hand was right there the whole time. Isn't that good news? That even though you feel like you're spinning out of control, God overshadows your change. He's involved in it. You're not a victim of your circumstances anymore, but you're a project now of the Most High God. Isn't that cool? So you can go into that circumstance and say, I'm not a victim anymore. I just walked into God's project for me. I'm not walking into man's cynical, terrible circumstance, but I'm walking into a project arena right now. So some of you will wake up, and probably not tomorrow, it's New Year's Day, but you'll go to work Tuesday, and on that Tuesday, you'll forget a lot of what I've told you right now. But I'm hoping this one thing will light up inside of you, that as you go into that difficult place, understand right now, you're not going to something that man or the enemy has created necessarily, but you may be going into God's project room as he's working on you to take care of some things and deal with some things and getting you ready for your future. There have been moments of important change in my life, and I probably needed a few more, where life has seemed like it was spinning. But this is the interesting thing. If, if you'll stick with the Lord long enough and you'll begin to look back on what's happened, you'll see his hand in all of that. Is that not true? Is that not true? I mean, I, I, mean, I just see Miss Louise here. I can always hear her voice. Amen to me. Thank you, Miss Louise. I appreciate that. But you know, you face even your, your cancers and you get victory over that. And you can look back and see God's hand was in that. And I can look at the Boyds and you all moved. And you're saying, this is, there's some crazy things. But you'll look back on that and, and you'll see God's hand in that. Hang with the Lord and you'll see his hand in a lot of those things. Number nine, I'm hurrying. Everyone say, go on, pastor, go on. Just go on. Yeah, thank you. That's all I needed. Appreciate that. Number nine, religious people are the hardest to change. Amen. 
It's interesting because, you see, you know who he put on the wheel? He didn't put your heathen neighbor on the wheel. He he didn't put the big sinner or what we define as that on the wheel. He put his people on the wheel. He put the house of Israel on the wheel. You know, I've learned this, that, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what denomination you may be. It doesn't matter what your doctrine is. We could, we could name them all. We could name off Baptist and Episcopalian or Catholic. or We could talk about charismatics. or You throw out the denomination and, and, and you could lay them all out there. And just let me say, it, it affects every one of them. When people get religious... Religious. Now, there's a difference between being religious and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can go through the motions and they ain't reality. There's no reality. That, right, you know, you can, you know, I, I can remember before I was able to drive, I'd go sit out in my dad's car and I'd sit there and, you know, and I'd be my own engine and, and you know, and do all the things a kid does. And, and, you know, you may be in the car and you may be making the noise, but that don't mean you're driving. So you may be sitting here this morning and you're making the noise and you're going through the motions, but that don't mean nothing. It's your relationship that you got to have, a living relationship with God. And you got to understand that religion, hear me now, Jesus came, the Bible says this, that Jesus came for the people of Israel. In Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 15, it is clear, he looks at his disciples and this is what Jesus says. He says to them, he says, I want you to go and preach, but don't go anywhere except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He would go on to say, don't go the way of the Gentile, don't go the way of the Samaritan, don't you dare go anywhere else, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now I'm here to tell you, if he left it at that, you and I would be hurting this morning because we ain't a part of that house. We're, we're Gentile. We're Samaritan. But the problem was, as Jesus is saying this to his disciples, he's wanting to work redemption and change and transformation through his people. So he comes to the house of Israel and everybody should know this. This is Sunday school 101. Israel was not real big on changing. They weren't real big on transforming anything. They've had centuries centuries of established religious practice that I'm just here to tell you did not produce relationship. This is what Jesus said. He said, he said, your lips give me praise, but your hearts are far from me. That's what he said to Israel. And so I'm here to tell you that religion is the hardest thing for people to get through. We want everything and everyone else to change except us. And we need to realize that there is a, 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 an appropriate place for declaring the gospel and looking at people and saying they need transformation. But ultimately, we need to get our nose in our own business and get ourselves changed and not worry about where everyone else needs to be. Bible says judgment begins not in the world, but the house of God. So I know who I'm talking to this morning. Change begins with us. We can't declare change until we've embraced change. And then finally, number 10... God-ordained change always leads you to something better. God-ordained change always leads you to something better. This is the best news of all because if you'll, if you'll let God put you on that wheel and it may feel like you're spinning and life's out of control and the, the potter's stick is hacking at you and 
it's just a difficult moment because I don't know what the clay must have felt like. I mean, I'm just here to tell you, 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 you'd had to have felt kind of beat up spinning around on that potter's wheel. But if you'll get a hold of this, that if you'll, if you'll let God work in that area of changing and transforming you, what ultimately happens is you are formed in a, into a vessel that pleases the master and you are usable for his work and his design. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The, you know, the, what, what is it? The, the opposite of that would be that if you don't, you're unusable. Or at least you can't be used to the greatest extent you could be used. We have become in our household, and I'll end with this. Well, I shouldn't say we. I guess I have, I guess I have because I had to, I've, I've given up the remote sometimes. I do have my own little room to watch television upstairs every now and then, but my, my wife loves to watch HGTV. Do we have any other HGTV fans? We can get you delivered from that. I want you to know that. We can. She said, as soon as you get delivered from your Fox News Network, I just, anyway. HGTV, though, we're watching HGTV, and, and, you know, 24 hours a day, they're doing something on your house. I mean, what are they, design, design on a dime, designer's challenge, design for sex, design for the sex, I'm sorry, um, That's not the show. Okay. I got your attention now, though, don't I? I've just identified any religion in the church. Pastor said sex from the front of the church today. Oh, my goodness. Curb appeal, all these things. I I don't even know them all. But, But I've been watching a couple of them, and this is really interesting. They come in, in fact, the one I remember is, is that they want to sell their house. Yeah, to sell. D- designed to sell, great. <laughs> that was a word of knowledge right there, I can tell. And they want to sell their house, and so they bring in these people, and they, and they want to recreate or do some things, like under a $2,000 budget or something, in order to change some things, in order that the house can sell a little bit more easily. And the thing that I found kind of amusing is this. Listen to this. Everybody, everybody wants to sell their house. I mean, they're going into some place where somebody needs to sell their house. So that's the goal. That's the, that's the purpose of this whole thing. And these designers come in and they start saying, well, we need to change this wall, repaint this and do this little thing here and there and all of this. And it is fascinating me to watch that those people who are trying to sell their house suddenly seize up and they go, I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, it's been this way for years. And you're wanting to go, you're selling the house. What do you care what the wall looks like for crying out loud? Who cares if you're, you know, you're putting in new cabinets? Who gives a flip? I mean, I mean, but they're in there. I remember they walked this one lady around and the whole time. I mean, she wants to sell her house. Can't understand why it's not selling. She's going, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to do that. And just walks around like that. And the whole time... They're, they're talking to her. You're, you're going to get more money. It's going it's to sell faster. Everything you want is going to take place if you just let us make these changes. And you go, I don't know. I've, just, I've, lived, I've lived with this wallpaper. You don't understand. We, we, we personally put this wallpaper. And then finally, of course, you realize after you watch it for a while that they talk her into it or it wouldn't have made, you know, the air. So you know it's going to happen. 
But that's just how we are, isn't it? This, this is the house of the Lord. And God comes in and says, I can, I can fulfill your purposes. I can bring you to the place where you ultimately get the things you want, your payday, everything you're wanting to happen that will bring you completion and joy and peace and all those things. And he begins to tour this house with us and, and he begins to point out things in this house. And we say, I, 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 wait, wait. If, if, I, if I let you change that, I just, I don't know if I can do that. And I'm telling you right now that if you'll just let go and let him begin to change you, if you'll let him begin to transform you, can I just say this? That, this, that the people who are trying to sell the house know how to sell a house. And the God who created you and is wanting to bring you to a destiny knows what it is that needs to change in you. You ain't him. Not even close. So why not just say, I give. And get back up on the wheel. And let him begin to fashion you again. 2007 can be different if you'll let him do that. And I believe he wants that. Do you want that? Stand with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're ready to embrace a little change, would you just start opening up your heart right now and just right where you're standing just for a moment, would you just tell the Lord, you can say this in a whisper even, just say, Lord, I'm, a, I'm available and desiring and I'm going to embrace change. I want to be changed. I'm not going to hit destiny. I'm not going to hit a dream. I'm not going to accomplish what you've designed me to accomplish unless you change me. Lord, I've been waiting for my circumstances and situations to change, but it's really not so much this world's going to adjust for me. I'm going to have to let you change me. I choose to climb up on the potter's wheel for you to work on me right now. You're not going to do something that's bad. You're going to do something that's good. You're going to take me from where I am And you're going to take me to a new level. You're going to bring me from glory to glory. You're going to take me from faith to faith. Change is good. To be honest, just being in an atmosphere in your presence, there are areas that are being pointed out to me right now that I need change. Change me. Change me, oh God, change me. God is changing us. And if you'll start here, when we talk about some of the other things that will come up, about new things and how God will help you navigate your fears and how you'll begin to eclipse the things that have tried to hold you back. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll just start right here as simply as it is by embracing what we've already taught, you will be, you will be further down the road than probably 80% of the rest of the world. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. I'm going to pray right now that God will begin to work. He'll mess around in your life, a good type of messing around. He'll begin to fashion and form you. And you know what? This is what I'm going to believe right now, that a year from now, some of you are going to be so thoroughly transformed that we'll not even recognize you as the same person. Now, that's good news. Probably for some folks around you, that's great news. 
but don't worry about changing them. You got to change you. You can, you can do something about you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not... I'm going to have invitations, public invitations in the weeks ahead. There'll be plenty of time for that. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're really not doing this for me. You're just doing it as unto the Lord. You're in the Lord's house. I'm just, I'm just an under-shepherd to him who is the great shepherd. So as we are in his presence right now, and I don't want you to lie. I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. If your spouse... If your spouse enters in and does what I'm fixing to ask and you don't want to do it, then you know what? I'll respect you. I will respect you more for not doing what I'm going to ask you to do than if you were just to do it, to think you're going to please me or somehow you'd be embarrassed. We just want you to be honest. You won't get anywhere unless you're honest. So right now before God, head bowed, eye closed, no one looking around. If if you're willing to say before the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to embrace some change. I need some change to go on. I'm going to acknowledge before you that's me that's me i just i just lift your hand to him just real quick say lord just wave it at him can you wait just say me that's me lord that's me i need some change to happen you can drop your hands thank you lord you saw these hands that went up this morning lord i'm believing that in this moment of honesty in your house the transparency of saying yeah that's me i i acknowledge i got i got things that need changed and i'm going to embrace god your dealings transformation in my life I embrace that right now Lord you saw the hands I pray now Lord that as you saw this that you would respond and you would you would assist and you would help and you would do the work internally that only you can do I can't get there I can teach I can preach I can talk but Lord I can't get inside the human psyche I can't get in their heart I can't do those things that's beyond me but you can do that so Lord would you do that Would you change your people, transform them from glory to glory, cause us to reflect you so much better. Lord, we appreciate that. We believe that this coming year, 2007, is going to be a year of unprecedented change. We're watching it all around us. Folks, do you know right now, can you imagine? I mean, dictators are executed. Presidents have passed away. We've watched just through elections, so much change is all around us. Can you you smell it? Can you see it? Are you getting a sense that God is operating in the earth right now and he's about ready to release a new measure of his presence, but we've got to be ready to give him a vessel that he can pour into and in turn pour out of. So Lord, we want to be that people. Assist your people, I pray. Cause us to be all out for you. We thank you. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big old hand. Can you do that? Come on now. Open up your mouths. Say Jesus. Yeah. Change me. Change me, change me, change me. Amen. Amen. Now look someone in the eye before you go and as you hug them in fellowship, say, God's changing me this year. You're not going to recognize me at the end of 2007. I'm getting me a divine makeover. And God bless you. And we'll see you. Not in the middle of the week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. You're released.